You're listening to the University of Pikeville Men's Basketball Podcast. My name is Gary Justice. Today I catch up with Kelly Wells, the winningest coach in program history. Coach Wells talks about his journey to the University of Pikeville, the factors he considered in taking the job at then Pikeville College. Also, he shares with us his memories of the 2011 National Championship run and then continuing competing on a national level after that. He also talks about his transition to the full-time athletic director role at the University of Pikeville. It's a great episode, so let's get started. Coach Kelly Wills, welcome to the University of Pikeville Men's Basketball Podcast. Hello, hello. Glad, glad to be here. Well, Coach, I tell you, it's always fun when you have the winningest coach in program history on a podcast. It's going to be a fun episode. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And certainly, uh, anytime I get to spend with you, Gary Justice, is time well spent. <laughs> well, Coach, I've been looking forward to this all, all morning and got my questions ready and just dive into a little bit of the history of Coach Kelly Wells. So, Coach, start us off with your journey to the University of Pikeville. Well, it, it's been interesting for sure. And, you know, I come from a, a background of coaching and being around education and basketball my early years. And I felt like I was kind of raised on a campus and in a gym. So that kind of made it a natural fit for me in my career to uh, to move into coaching. And I knew once my playing days were over that I wanted to get into coaching. And that has certainly come to come to pass. And it's been an interesting journey. I've started at Marion County High School as a business teacher and a head basketball coach. And Moved from there to Mason County, where I was a, a business technology teacher as well as a basketball coach. And then I took a trip out to Hawaii, and I was a assistant athletic director and a head basketball coach at Hawaii Pacific University, a Division II uh, in NCAA school. And then I got the opportunity to come back uh, where I am now here at Pikeville College and University of Pikeville, and uh, certainly thrilled to, to be where we're at. So, Coach, let's, before we – Keep on going in on the uh, the University of Pikeville days. It's an interest to go from from Mason County to Hawaii. Tell us tell us what happened there. How did that happen? Yeah, really really similar uh, uh, lifestyles and really similar uh, uh, layouts for sure. But it was a it was a life changing experience for me and my family. Uh, I had just had a kidney transplant and we had just won a state championship. And a lot of things in my life kind of kind of were in were pivoting so to speak and so it gave me an opportunity to uh, if I knew if I was going to move into college coaching that it was probably a good time to do that and uh, my former uh, college basketball coach at the University of Tulsa was J.D. Barnett and he was currently the the basketball coach and athletic director there at HPU and uh, we connected and made an opportunity for me to to come out there and uh, was experience for my wife and I and um that you know, as they say, the rest is history. So, coach, so now you're you're in, a, in Hawaii, and you see the job at Pikeville College is open. What was some of the factors that you considered in pursuing that opportunity at Pikeville? Well, many of those. I'm as as most people know, I'm a big family guy, and I wanted uh, you know, it, it was torture for me to be away from my my parents and my sister and her kids and family so like he gave me an opportunity to come back home and uh you know basketball in Hawaii is a totally different animal than basketball in Kentucky so uh being able to make that change was was pivotal for me 
you know, and if, if the step would have been easier for Mason County to let's say Pikeville at that time, uh, that would have made sense for me as well. But, uh, to get a college head coaching job, sometimes you got to travel to where the, the need is. And that's, that's kind of where that decision came from. And, uh, I reached out actually the first contact I made was to, to our friend Rick Mintley and, uh, he connected me to Ron Dameron and, uh, kind of got the process started at that point. So, Coach, we I've had Rick on a previous episode, and we were debating this actually last week. What year did you accept the position at Pikeville? Was it 2007 or 2008? It, it was 2007. 2007, wonderful. So tell me that, to go back on that day in 2007, uh, you get notified by probably Ron or Rick that you, you've been selected as the next head coach of the Pikeville College Bears. Tell us, what the, what's the first thing you did? Well, and Hal Smith was included on that as well. Hal was a, the president sure. at the time and very involved in that hiring too. And, uh, you know, my, for, for me, it was, it, was, it was thrilling because, you know, if you're away from your family and your people and really your identity, so to speak, and being a Kentucky basketball coach, uh, you really miss it. So, like, I was, you know, almost to the point where I was miserable in Hawaii, which I know that sounds strange, but was really ready to get back home. So to have that opportunity was, you know, I don't know if you could put an emotion on it, but thrilled would be the one I had, but also had a little bit of concern too. My, my wife was pregnant at the time and she was deep in her pregnancy. And so that, that transition of her getting out of her contract, they're teaching to, you know, being late term in her pregnancy and getting her here in time to make sure we had that child here in Pikeville was, uh, was also a concern, but we, we, we dodged all those bullets. We had Mason uh, right when she got here to town. And actually on my first recruiting visit was Will Holloman. We signed him and I ran to the hospital and, and Sean gave birth our, our, our little guy. Uh, and that's something you'll never forget, Coach. No, no. He, Will the thrill, we call him. And uh, he, he'll always be connected to that, that process. So, Coach, when you take over the program, you know, Coach, Coach McCoy had – had stepped down due to health reasons halfway through the season. But before that, Coach McCoy had the program running at a pretty good pace. It's, you know, three of national tournament appearances in four years. So you're taking over a very tradition-rich program. When you're taking over the program, how do you build a program to compete nationally? Well, you know, one, that's one of the biggest uh, reasons I came is because of the tradition here. And, you know, one of the statements that's lingered on since I've been here is tradition never graduates. And I certainly didn't start that. That was well before me. But we want to continue that tradition and try to build on it in places we could. So, you know, there, there was a foundation of respect or the foundation of winning here uh, on the men's basketball side. And we wanted to grow that. And, you know, for me as a you know, as a visionary, so to speak, I really had high expectations for, for our program. One of the things I talked to the committee when I took the job in was, was about winning a national championship. And we weren't, we weren't quite at that level when I, when I first took the job. So it took some growth. Uh, and I don't care what anybody says, great coaching is important. Great culture is important, but going out and finding the right players is a critical piece to trying to get your program to a national level and, and trying to maintain that. And we were blessed to, to be able to do that, it took us a couple of years, but man, we had some very impactful student athletes that came along that really built our program, and we're still honoring the the student athletes that came before them as well. It gave us an opportunity uh, to be as successful as we have been. So you talked about that. It's leads me to my next question. You're talking about the having the right players, and ever since I've known you, and I'm matter of fact, Rick Bentley said this last week that when you got named head coach. Uh, he was concerned. He was concerned because he was afraid that 
and Division One schools will be calling. You may not even make it to the first, you know, the first ball game in August uh, because of how the talent of the coach you were and and how you're known in the recruiting circles. So go back to those days. Well, not days. I mean, you've been the AD the last few years, but. When you coming in in 2007, you talk about recruiting the right players. What did you look for in players to help get to that national level of competing for championships? Well, there's a lot of things, you know, that you look at in recruiting. There's a lot of recruitable traits. Uh, and I think every, every coach has a style that they play to. Every coach has a system that they like to play to. And, you know, for me, it was to try to find uh, a three-part piece to that. One is you're, you're, you're character-based. Uh, you're extremely talented basketball player, which means you have a great skill set, and then you're you're willing to do all the other things, the intangibles. That means your grades. That means being a good person. That means being a good teammate, doing the right things. And you know, there's just different levels of all of those things. But certainly, I think a combination of those traits is critical because you can have a really talented player uh, who can actually tear your team apart if he doesn't have some of the other things, and and vice versa. You can't just have all good kids who can't play either. So there's a balance that you have to have in, in trying to, to develop a team. And we were able to, especially early, to get super talented kids that maybe not were, were huge or big in size, but huge in heart, huge in commitment. Uh, we were able to get the right local pieces that uh, kind of fit what we were trying to do and fit our system. And, you know, shooting the basketball and being good offensively was always a priority uh, to me because that's kind of what I like to do. And, uh, you know, we had to develop our defense and, and, and our press and things of that nature that really put us in position to, to be competitive nationally. And, um, you know, we've been very successful being able to do all those parts. So let's jump to 2011. Um, so you're on, this is, got hired in seven. So this is probably, is this year three, Coach, or year four? This will be completing your third season, right? Correct, yes. Yeah, so you're completing your third season. You've, you've had a great year. You get in to the national tournament, your, this is your first appearance as a head coach at the college level, right, 2011? That's correct. Well, then you go in and you make a magical run and you win the national championship. Kind of walk us through that week. You know, it was it, – obviously it was a 10-day cycle of probably some of the greatest times in my entire life, you know, professionally and – uh, to be able to do it with the team we did it with made it even more remarkable and more memorable. Uh, but, you know, we kind of went in there. You know, we, we'd fought for three straight years of, of trying to get ourselves in that tournament. And our league's a, a monster. It's so hard. And, it's you know, uh, you know, I think we take for granted the success we had of going to consistent to the national tournament. But it took us a while to break that wall down to, to get ourselves in. So we were hungry to get there. And then we arrived as a unseated team against – you know, nothing but really, really talented team. So, you know, I think we had the expectation that we were going to take it as a one-game championship every night, uh, try to find a way to win. If You you know, those that watched us there, we were a man-to-man team the entire season, but we got to the national tournament. We switched to a completely a zone team, which was out of character for me and, and our team, but it was the right thing to do at the right time, and we just got hot. Um, really, it wouldn't matter who we played by that championship game. We, were, we felt like we were going to win. And uh, the guys just really shows you what what confidence can do to to a team and what confidence can do to a uh, to a player. And we just we played off the charts and what a what a remarkable. I still watch that that video all the time of that run to the national championship and it was just a, a an unbelievable experience for all of us. It's such a very it was such a fun week. Um, had the opportunity to see the semifinals and the finals game in person 
listen to Rick Bentley on the other ball games, but uh, coach probably the hardest tournament to win. You win in five games in either six or seven days, and in your path was probably the most challenging path any team has ever had to go down to win the national championship. Talk about when you you talked about the one game championships, but you're playing as a as an unseated team. You're playing. I can't remember the first three games. It seemed like it was the top either five or six teams that was in the tournament. Am I, am I correct on that one, Coach? You are correct, yes. It, was, it so, wasn't until uh, later in, in the in the quarterfinals we played a team that wasn't in the top six ranking. <laughs> <laughs> so, because you, you're playing, I think the first two games, you're playing a the defending national champion and then maybe the runner-up in game two after that. That, that's correct. And, you know, the, the beautiful thing about that, that the NAI tournament, which they've, they've changed it for the worse, but we're, we're, when we were doing it the right way there, like it was the toughest tournament in basketball. But if you got playing hot and you got playing well, like you were consistently playing. So there weren't any breaks to rethink it. There weren't any time. You just kind of prepared on, on short notice and you tried to show up and do your best uh, each game. And I think we really got hot and just, you know, being able to play consistently back-to-back day after day we really didn't have time to have noise involved and distractions. We just kept trying to trying to tip it up and try to play. And, you know, we played Robert Morrison that very first game early, early in the morning. And I think that was to our advantage. Like, we didn't care if we'd played at 4 o'clock in the morning or midnight. <laughs> it was our first trip to the national tournament where Robert Morris probably thought that was a negative thing. And uh, I believe we got off to a really, really good start and found a way to win that one and kind of set the, set the sails going on the tournament for us. My memory, Coach, of that week is like you had different players every single night. You had Vance Cooksey, Vance Cooksey who was solid with the whole tournament. Just, Justin Hicks played well. He had Ron Wicker coming off the bench. Trevor Setti, Quincy Hankins, Cole. Cordero Ellis played some big minutes in, in times where maybe it played a whole lot of minutes throughout the year, played some big minutes. Quintel Maxwell, the national championship after Vance fouled out, coming had come up with a big seal to seal the, to seal the, the national championship game. Just talk about, as your time as a coach, about the importance of developing the entire roster, Coach. Yeah, we, we always believe in, in developing basketball players, not necessarily positions. And, you know, I think that was the case for that team because they just really it, would fill in whatever is needed. You know, it's kind of you talk about that next man up mentality, and I, I thought we had that with that group. And, you know, you think about guys like Chris Donald and Andre Thornton and Kyan Hines who just were utility folks that could do just about anything on the court and if it wasn't for those kind of guys we for sure wouldn't have wouldn't have advanced and won the way we did but you're right we had great performances from a leader in Vance Cooksey who was remarkable and Trevor said he played the tournament of his lifetime he was amazing but you know the in order to win those kind of things you have to have other people step up and do their jobs and certainly we we did and it you know we could go on list it forever now through there not to mention our coaches who had to prepare for you know seven different opponents all the time and then you just pulled the one that won and you, you went with it. So we, we just really had an all-in mentality in, in, in not just the team but the community and also the coaches. So, Coach, you break through into the national level. You get to, you've been fighting for seasons to get there. You finally get to Kansas City. You win the national tournament. Now you're on the map. Talk to us about how – because you had a, a level of consistency after that where you become a regular in Kansas City. Talk about how, how hard that is to continue competing at that national level, playing at that 
uh, that high of a level to get to the national tournament. Yeah, you know, I, you know, as you, I'm sitting here actually looking on my wall at those those teams to make sure I don't forget any any players' names, things of that nature. But you know, we we skipped a season getting a national tournament right after we won uh, the national championship. So you know, the the hardest year for us was that year right after of trying to maintain that we lost a lot of kids to graduation. We made some recruiting mistakes and uh, really was a hard year. And of course, then you're, you're become everybody's calendar uh, marker. So like everybody wants to see you Pike or Pikeville college at the time, come to them uh, and knock you off. And we, we didn't do a good job of handling it in, in, you know, in that following year in 2012. Uh, but then we got back on the, on the mark again in 2013 and put a huge string together. So it was a learning, learning curve for all of us. But, you know, finding those right rosters, not trying to take shortcuts. And, again, you know, we, we really developed our recruiting philosophy of what was going to be a championship-level player for us versus what was just going to be a talented player for us. And when we made that adjustment, really things turned uh, for the better for us. So, Coach, I know we talked about recruiting the right player. And you mentioned it during the 2011 National Championship run about how your, the importance of your staff of preparing for a different team each night. Talk a little bit about your staff. You've had a very talented staff and while you've been a, at the Pikeville College, now you Pike, leading that Bears basketball program. You've had a very talented staff every year. Yeah, no, no question. And anybody that's – any coach that says they try to do it all alone and they're the, they're the brains behind the operation would be doing nothing but telling you falsehoods because if it wasn't for your staff and uh, people around you, there's no chance for success. And I've been blessed. We've, we've been able to keep most of our assistants for a long period of time, but I also have a great um, – coaching tree so to speak where coaches have went on and moved on to bigger and better things so to speak and really advanced their career and that was kind of my goal is to develop head coaches and people who can move forward in the profession and you know as I'm looking at some of these things you think of a Donald Thomas who is now in Baltimore back in Baltimore leading leading the youth of Baltimore you got Ty Compton who is now the head coach here who's done a, a remarkable job you got Brett Rector who is now a associate head coach at the University of Charleston just a lot of great. We got Evan Faulkner, who's on the staff now. You got Ryan Whitaker, who's a head high school coach. Matthew Taylor, who just who just was at McNeese State as an assistant coach. Bradley Yoder, who's a college assistant coach in Bethany, Kansas. You know, we can go on and on. There's a there's a great list of of coaches that I'm looking through here that are just amazing. Randy Casey, who's now a, an assistant coach at Montgomery County High School, and just a, a wonderful collection of men who have turned out to be great coaches and great fathers and. Uh, ben Tanoff, here's another one who's now one of the assistant coaches at Georgia Tech. Just a just an amazing group of of people as I look through these uh, these pictures. And also, you're talking about you mentioned Rod Whitaker, but now you also you're coaching Trey some of the other former players. You got Elijah Justice, who's coaching at Pikeville High School. Trey Rakes at Colby Community College out in Kansas. You got Hobo McCoy, who's an assistant coach as well at Pike County Central High School. Uh, so you you're recruiting players and going through your program too uh, when you was the coach it was um, I mean it has to be satisfying that you talked about career development I mean you have these young men you know that as when well, their playing career was over they want to get back into coaching as well too so you felt uh, maybe even uh, fulfill their dream as well what's your thoughts there yeah, no, no question that's a huge piece of, of, of my passion to try to get uh, people that fall in love with the sport and the game and mentoring to continue on. And, you know, I don't want to leave anybody out. I'm looking at a list of my coaching tree sitting here. You know, you've got, you've got Nick Bowman, who's now an assistant coach at Nichols state. You've got Matt, Matt Bringman, who was an assistant, who was an assistant coach at Eastern Illinois. You got Donnell Dobbins who played for us now runs team AAU and Maryland team thrill. 
You got Corey Hoskins, the head coach at Buckhorn High School. Matt Hurt, who's now an assistant coach at Coastal Carolina. And some of the ones we mentioned, Elijah Justice, Brandon Kidd's a head uh, female coach over in Prestonsburg. Uh, Brian Cloman, who is now an assistant coach at Winthrop. Kyle Morris, who's assistant Northeast Mississippi. Golly, that just goes on and on. Richie Riley, who's now the head coach at South Alabama. Trey Rakes, we talked about. Brett Rector, Evan Faulkner. I mean, just a just a great list of people and great men that uh, have done great things with basketball and will hopefully carry our tradition forward. So, Coach, list now you talked about the, the coaching tree. So, the you talked about Todd. You, you mentioned Todd come to being the head coach now of the program. And, of course, in the first episode, I had an opportunity to sit down with Coach Compton, and he told about his story. Just talk about your relationship with Coach Compton. You've literally seen him from day one as a student assistant to now being named the head coach of the University of Pikeville. Just talk about your relationship with Coach Compton. Yeah, you know, you're Ty, and I'll, I'll refer to him as Ty, and, and we can call him Coach Compton, whatever. I'll refer to him as Ty. But we had <laughs> we had a great relationship Perfect. going going through. When he came to us, he, he came as a junior varsity player and did that for a little while. And he literally has had every position within our – our program in his time here. So like he's been a volunteer, he's been a part-time, he's been a full-time assistant. Uh, you know, he's been an associate head coach and then he moved into the role of being the head coach now. And, you know, when I looked for somebody that I wanted to follow me up in uh, the coaching, I had a, I had a list of several, several things. And I kind of spoke on that at his, um, his announcement of all the pieces that I wanted to see carried on and the, the traditions I wanted to see carry on. And there was no one, that met that qualification, anything even close to what uh, Ty did. And certainly we're excited about the potential that he's got there. He's gotten off to a good start here this first year under extremely tough circumstances. And uh, there's no question he's the right man for the job and will continue to grow our, grow our program. So coach, talk about your transition from, cause you, you spent one, I think is one season as the head coach and AD did the dual role. Is that right? Just one Correct. season. What'd you do? So then you decide to transition into full-time AD at the University of Pikeville, which UPIC Athletics is, uh, has been thriving. And you're, of course, Robert Staggs did a great job as AD, but also I just think that next step uh, now with you becoming the athletic director is going to be wonderful for the university as well. Talk about that transition, Coach. What was it like for you? Well, you, you know, for me as a – a uh, dad, um, you know, as a, as a coach and also as a mentor, there were, there were so many things that to consider in that transition. And one of those, my daughter was, was approaching her senior year. My son was approaching his eighth grade year. And, uh, you know, there were days as doing the dual role that I went home. I didn't know if I got anything right from personal to family to, to the job. It was just too many irons, so to speak in the fire. And, you know, my family for a long time had just gotten what I had left over and that wasn't fair. I wanted to give them, give them my best. So this has given me an opportunity to, to do some of that. I do think, you know, be an, an athletic director is a very, very hard job to do along with another full-time job. So coaching and being a director is, is, is very, very complicated. Not that it can't be done, but it's certainly very complicated. And this gives me an opportunity to make a difference athletically and not just for men's basketball, but our entire school and our entire department. So it was the right move at the right time for me. And uh, I've always believed you never regret giving time to your family, and that's been one of the, the greatest blessings I've had. Well, Coach, I want you to put your recruiting hat back on. So we're at, we have a prospect, uh, a recruiting prospect for the University of Pikeville. Think about coming here playing basketball for the Bears. What would you tell a young man 
who's considering University of Pikeville, why should he become a Bear? Well, our, our institution's wonderful. I mean, I, I, past the traditions that we have in, in terms of whatever sports you're looking at, but just look at the collection of the people that we have here on our campus. And it, it gets down to the people that you, you're around and the books that you read of, of your knowledge. And certainly the people here at our community and our school are the ones that make the difference. And we, you know, a, a liberal arts school, you got an opportunity to learn how to learn a lot of different topics, a lot of different conversations to have. So you're going to get a first class education. You're going to be around first class people who really care about you. Uh, and, you know, you can find championship and competitive sport uh, here in, in every one of our sports. And that's, that's critical for us, but you know, the things that we try to make a difference in and being champions of character. Uh, but also on the same side, there's a, there's a piece that the student has to provide. They have to be a good student. They have to be a good person and they've got to be able to play at a championship level. So there's a lot of agreements that have to be made, uh, to make it a good relationship. And I'm a big believer. If it's not a good deal on both sides of the party, uh, it's not going to be a good deal. So everybody has some responsibilities to make that work. Also coach, I noticed that when, of course, when in Coach Compton, I feel he'll continue this too. But of course, the COVID regulations are not allowing it this year. But he is a big believer in community relations and having your players out in the community giving back. Can you talk a little bit about that, Coach? Yeah, that's 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 been a long-standing tradition here at, at the university. I I didn't create that by any means. We've certainly tried to focus on it and continue to to grow on it. And the, actually, the last two years, we've been gold standard champion of character. Uh, institutions. The last year we re received a perfect score, meaning you're getting out in the community, you're doing the functions on campus, uh, you're doing all the things that relate to the five core values of the NAI. And our, our coaches have always done that. This has given us an opportunity to be recognized for it, but that's a long-standing tradition here. I think goodwill and giving is, has been a part of our school and our institution forever. Uh, it's just given us an opportunity to get recognized for it, but that's a huge piece to uh, we feel like that's a responsibility we have of giving value back to our community for supporting us. Well, Coach, I tell you, if I was a recruit listening to this podcast, of course, now there's a difference between eligibility and ability. I have a lot of <laughs> eligibility left to play basketball, but no ability left to play. I definitely would want to come be a Bear, that's for sure. Well, we're, we're awful prideful, as you can tell. Like when we get to talk about our sports and our athletic department, our school, we're we're really ecstatic about it. We know we're heading in the right direction. And and certainly the, the greatest difference maker you can make is, is an education. So we want to provide that opportunity for as many people as we possibly can to get them uh, maybe an advantage as they, as they get a little bit older. And I'm a big believer that folks that, that are involved in sports and activities have an upper hand on those who do not. So in the work field and the workforce, it gives them a great, a great leg up. Well, Coach, I tell you what, it's uh, been a pleasure having you on, this, on today's podcast and uh, very excited what you've done with the basketball program. Very excited where it's going to with, with, with Ty as well, but also very excited uh, what UPOC Athletics will be doing on your leadership as well. So we definitely appreciate your time and, and all the information you provide us today. Well, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. And, uh, you know, anytime we don't have to talk about all the, the negatives we've got going on, we've got so many good stuff and good positives going on and pray for those who, who need you during this time, certainly. And there's a lot of issues with COVID and health and so on and so forth. Uh, we have a lot of great things going on here at the University of Pike, but we want to share that with everybody. Coach, thank you again. And like you said, uh, we say it's a tradition that you've carried on. This tradition never graduates. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, Coach. Thank you for listening to today's podcast, and a special thanks goes out to Kelly Wells for his appearance. As a reminder, this podcast can be heard on Apple Podcasts, 
Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. It's always a good day to be a bear, and tradition never graduates.